Act Three of The Drummer or The Haunted House by Joseph Addison. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Act Three Scene opens and discovers Sir George in Vellum's office. Ah, I wonder I don't hear of Vellum yet. But I know his wisdom will do nothing rashly. The fellow has been so used to form in business that it has infected his whole conversation. But I must not find fault with that punctual and exact behavior which has been of so much use to me. My estate is the better for it. Enter Vellum. Well, Vellum, I'm impatient to hear your success. First, let me lock the door. Will your lady admit me? If this lock is not mended soon, it will be quite spoiled. Prithee, let the lock alone at present, and answer me. Delays in business are dangerous. I must send for the smith next week, and in the meantime will take a minute of it. But what says your lady? This pen is not, and wants mending. Uh, my lady, did you say? Does she admit me? I have gained admission for you as a conjurer. Ah, that's enough. I'll gain admission for myself as a husband. Does she believe there's anything in my art? It is hard to know what a woman believes. Did she ask no questions about me? Sundry. She desires to talk with you herself before you enter upon your business. But when? Immediately, this instant. Phew, oh, what hast thou been doing all this while? Why didst thou not tell me so? Give me my cloak. Uh, have you met with Abigail? I have not yet had an opportunity of talking with her, but we have interchanged some languishing glances. Let thee alone for that, Vellum. I have formerly seen thee ogle her through thy spectacles. Well, this is a most venerable cloak. After the business of this day is over, I'll make thee a present of it. Will become thee mightily. <laughs> Would you make a conjurer of your steward? Prithee, don't be jocular. I'm in haste. Help me on with my beard. And what will your honor do with your cast beard? Why, faith, thy gravity wants only such a beard to it. If thou wouldst wear it with the cloak, thou wouldst make a most complete heathen philosopher. Ah, but uh, where's my wand? A fine taper stick. It is well chosen. I will keep this till you are sheriff of the county. It is not my custom to let anything be lost. Come, Vellum, lead the way. You must introduce me to your lady. Thou art the fittest fellow in the world to be a master of ceremonies to a conjurer. Exeunt. Enter Abigail crossing the stage, Tinsel following. Nabby, Nabby, with a so fast child. Keep your hands to yourself. I'm going to call the steward to my lady. What? Goodman twofold? I met him walking with a strange old fellow yonder. I suppose he belongs to the family too. He looks very antique. He must be some of the furniture of this old mansion house. What does the man mean? Don't think to palm me as you do my lady. Pretty nabby, tell me one thing. What's the reason thou art my enemy? Mary, because I'm a friend to my lady. 
dost thou say anything about me thou dost not like come hither hussy give me a kiss don't be ill-natured sir i know how to be civil kisses her abigail aside <sighs> this rogue will carry off my lady if i don't take care thy lips are as soft as velvet abigail i must get thee a husband ah now you don't speak idly i can talk to you i have one in my eye for thee dost thou love a young lusty son of a whore lord how you talk this is a thundering dog what is he a private gentleman ay where does he live in the horse guards but he has one fault i must tell thee of if thou canst bear with that he's a man for thy purpose pray mr tinsel what may that be he's but five and twenty years old tis no matter for his age if he has been well educated no man better child he'll tie a wig toss a die make a pass and swear with such a grace as would make thy heart leap to hear him half these accomplishments will do provided he has an estate pray what has he not a farthing abigail aside packs on him what do i give him the hearing for but as for that i would make it up to him how why look ye child as soon as i have married thy lady i design to discard this old prig of a steward and to put this honest gentleman i am speaking of into his place abigail aside this fellow's a fool i'll have no more to say to him hark my ladies are coming depend upon it nab i remember my promise abigail aside ay and so will i too to your cost exit abigail my dear is purely fitted up with the maid but i shall rid the house of her enter lady truman oh mr tinsel i am glad to meet you here i am going to give you an entertainment that won't be disagreeable to a man of wit and pleasure of the town aside there may be something diverting in a conversation between a conjurer and this conceited ass tinsel aside she loves me to distraction i see that prithee widow explain thyself you must know here is a strange sort of a man come to town who undertakes to free the house from this disturbance the steward believes him a conjurer ay thy steward is a deep one he's to be here immediately it is indeed an odd figure of a man oh i warrant you he has studied the black heart <laughs> is not it an oxford scholar widow thy house is the most extraordinarily inhabited of any widows this day in christendom i think thy four chief domestics are a withered abigail a superannuated steward a ghost and a conjurer <laughs> lady truman mimicking tinsel and you would have it inhabited by a fifth who is a more extraordinary person than any of all these four tinsel aside it's a sure sign a woman loves you when she imitates your manner thou'rt very smart my dear but see smoke the doctor enter vellum and sir george in his conjurer's habit i will introduce this profound person to your ladyship and then leave him with you sir this is her honour 
I know it well. Exit Vellum. Sir George, aside, walking in a musing posture. That dear woman. The sight of her unmans me. I could weep for tenderness, did not I, at the same time, feel an indignation rise in me to see that wretch with her. And yet I cannot but smile to see her in the company of her first and second husband at the same time. Mr. Tinsel, do you speak to him? You are used to the company of men of learning. Old gentleman, thou dost not look like an inhabitant of this world. I suppose thou art lately come down from the stars. Pray what news is stirring in the zodiac? News that ought to make the heart of a coward tremble. Mars is now entering into the first house, and will shortly appear in all his dome of dignities. Mars? Prithee, Father Greybeard, explain thyself. The entrance of Mars into his house portends the entrance of a master into this family, and that soon. Do you hear that, widow? The stars have cut me out for thy husband. This house is to have a master, and that soon. Hark thee, old Gadbury. Is not Mars very like a young fellow called Tom Tinsel? Not so much as Venus is like this lady. A word in your ear, doctor. These two planets will be in conjunction by and by. I can tell you that. Sir George aside, walking disturbed. Curse on this impertinent fop. I shall scarce forbear discovering myself. Madam, I am told that your house is visited with strange noises. And I am told that you can quiet them. I must confess, I had a curiosity to see the person I had heard so much of. And indeed, your aspect shows that you have had much experience in the world. You must be a very aged man. My aspect deceives you. What do you think is my real age? I should guess thee within three years of Methuselah. Prithee tell me, was not thou born before the flood? Truly, I should guess you to be in your second or third century. I warrant you, you have great-grandchildren with beards of a foot long. <laughs> if there be truth in man, I was but five-and-thirty last August. Oh, the study of the occult sciences makes a man's beard grow faster than you would imagine. What an escape you have had, Mr. Tinsel, that you were not bred a scholar. And so I fancy, Doctor, thou thinkst me an illiterate fellow because I have a smooth chin. Harky, sir, a word in your ear. You are a coxcomb by all the rules of physiognomy. But let that be a secret between you and me. Pray, Mr. Tinsel, what is it the Doctor whispers? Only a compliment, child, upon two or three of my features. It does not become me to repeat it. Pray, doctor, examine this gentleman's face, and tell me his fortune. If I may believe the lines of his face, he likes it better than I do. Than you do, fair lady. Widow, I hope now thou'rt convinced he's a cheat. For my part, I believe he's a witch. Go on, doctor. He will be crossed in love. And that soon. Prithee, doctor, tell us the truth. Dost not thou live in more fields? Take my word for it. Thou shalt never live in my lady Truman's mansion-house. Pray, old gentleman, hast thou never been plucked by the beard when thou wert saucy? Nay, Mr. Tinsel, you are angry. Do you think that I would marry a man that dares not have his fortune told? Let him be angry. 
I matter not. He is short-lived. He will soon die of... Come, come, speak out, old Hocus. <laughs> this fellow makes me burst with laughing. <laughs> he will soon die of fright. Or of the... Let me see your nose. Ay, uh, tis so. You son of a whore. I'll run ye through the body. I never yet made the sun shine through a conjurer. Oh, fie, Mr. Tinsel. You will not kill an old man. An old man? The dog says he's but five and thirty. Oh, fie, Mr. Tinsel. I did not think you could have been so passionate. I hate a passionate man. Put up your sword, or I must never see you again. <laughs> I was but in jest, my dear. I had a mind to have made an experiment upon the doctor's body. I would but have drilled a little eyelet hole in it, and have seen whether he had art enough to close it up again. Courage is but ill shown for a lady. But know if ever I meet thee again, thou shalt find this arm can wield other weapons besides this wand. <laughs> well, learned sir, you are to give a proof of your art, not of your courage. Or if you will show your courage, let it be at nine o'clock, for that is the time the noise is generally heard. And look ye, old gentleman, if thou dost not do thy business well, I can tell thee by the little skill I have that thou wilt be tossed in a blanket before ten. We'll do our endeavour to send thee back to the stars again. I'll go and prepare myself for the ceremonies, and, lady, as you expect, they should succeed your wishes. Treat that fellow with the contempt he deserves. Exit Sir George. The sauciest dog I've ever talked with in my whole life. Methinks he's a diverting fellow. One may see he's no fool. No fool? Aye, but thou dost not take him for a conjurer. Truly, I don't know what to take him for. I am resolved to employ him, however. When a sickness is desperate, we often try remedies that we have no great faith in. Enter Abigail. Madam, the tea is ready in the parlour as you ordered. Come, Mr. Tinsel, we may there talk of this subject more at leisure. Exeunt Lady Truman and Tinsel. Abigail Sola. <sighs> sure never any lady had such servants as mine has. Well, if I get this thousand pound, I hope to have some of my own. Let me see. I'll have a pretty tight girl, just such as I was ten years ago. I'm afraid I may say twenty. She shall dress me and flatter me. For I will be flattered, that's pause. My lady's cast suits will serve her after I have given them the wearing. Besides, when I am worth a thousand pound, I shall certainly carry off the steward, Madame Vellum. How prettily that will sound! Here, bring out Madame Vellum's chaise. Nay, I do not know, but it may be a chariot. I will break the attorney's wife's heart for I shall take place of everybody in the parish but my lady. If I have a son, he shall be called Fantôme. But see, Mr. Vellum, as I could wish. I know his humour, and will do my utmost to gain his heart. Enter Vellum with a pint of sack. Mistress Abigail, don't I break in upon you unseasonably? Oh, no, Mr. Vellum, your visits are always seasonable. I have brought with me a taste of fresh canary, which I think is delicious. Pray set it down. I have a dram glass just by. Brings in a rummer. I'll pledge you. 
my lady's good health. And your own with it, sweet Mistress Abigail. Pray, good Mr. Vellum, buy me a little parcel of this sack and put it under the article of tea. I would not have my name appear to it. Mistress Abigail, your name seldom appears in my bills. And yet, if you will allow me a merry expression, you have been always in my books, Mistress Abigail. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Vellum, you're such a dry jesting man. Why, truly, Mistress Abigail, I have been looking over my papers, and I find you have been, a long time, my debtor. Your debtor? For what, Mr. Vellum? For my heart, Mistress Abigail, and our accounts will not be balanced between us till I have yours in exchange for it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you are the most gallant done, Mr. Vellum. But I am not used to being paid by words only, Mistress Abigail. When will you be out of my debt? Oh, Mr. Vellum, you make one blush. My humble service to you. I must answer you, Mistress Abigail, in the country phrase. Your love is sufficient. <laughs> <laughs> well, I must own I love a merry man. Let me see. How long is it, Mistress Abigail? since I first broke my mind to you. It was, I think, undecimo guliami. We have conversed together these fifteen years, and yet, Mistress Abigail, I must drink to our better acquaintance. <laughs> Mistress Abigail, you know I am naturally jocose. Ah, you men love to make sport with us silly creatures. Mistress Abigail, I have a trifle about me, which I would willingly make you a present of. It is indeed but a little toy. You are always exceedingly obliging. It is but a little toy, scarce worth your acceptance. Pray do not keep me in suspense. What is it, Mr. Vellum? A silver thimble. I always said Mr. Vellum was a generous lover. But I must put it on myself, Mistress Abigail. You have the prettiest tip of a finger. I must take the freedom to salute it. Oh, fie, you make me ashamed, Mr. Vellum. How can you do so? I protest I am in such a confusion. A feigned struggle. This finger is not the finger of idleness. It bears the honorable scars of the needle. But why are you so cruel as not to pare your nails? Oh, I vow you press it so hard. Pray give me my finger again. This middle finger, Mistress Abigail, has a pretty neighbor. A wedding ring would become it mightily. <laughs> You're so full of your jokes. Ay, but where must I find one for it? I design this thimble only as the forerunner of it. They will set off each other, and are, indeed, a twofold emblem. The first will put you in mind of being a good housewife, and the other of being a good wife. <laughs> yes, yes, I see you laugh at me. Indeed, I am serious. I thought you had quite forsaken me. I am sure you cannot forget the many repeated vows and promises you formerly made me. I should as soon forget the multiplication table. I have always taken your part before my lady. You have so, 
and I have itemed it on my memory. For I have always looked upon your interest as my own. It is nothing but your cruelty can hinder them from being so. Abigail aside. I must strike while the iron's hot. Well, Mr. Vellum, there is no refusing you. You have such a bewitching tongue. How? Speak that again. Why, then, in plain English, I love you. I'm overjoyed. I must own my passion for you. I'm transported. Catches her in his arms. Dear, charming man. The sum total of all my happiness. I shall grow extravagant. I can't forbear to drink thy virtuous inclinations in a bumper of sack. Your lady must make haste, my duck, or we shall provide a young steward to the estate before she has an heir to it. Prithee, my dear, does she intend to marry Mr. Tinsel? Marry him? My love, no, no, we must take care of that. There would be no staying in the house for us if she did. That young Rakehell would send all the old servants a-grazing. You and I should be discarded before the honeymoon was at an end. Prithee, sweet one, does not this drum put the thoughts of marriage out of her head? This drum, my dear, if it be well managed, will be no less than a thousand pound in our way. Aye, sayest thou so, my turtle? Well, since we are now as good as man and wife, I mean, almost as good as man and wife, I ought to conceal nothing from you. Certainly, my dove, not from thy yoke-fellow, thy helpmate, thy own flesh and blood. Hush! I hear Mr. Tinsel's laugh. My lady and he are coming this way. If you will take a turn without, I'll tell you the whole contrivance. Give me your hand, chicken. Here, take it. You have my heart already. We shall have much issue. Exeunt. End of Act 3